Mansell with HJ Sports, and today we're going to go over our new sites within the Tetra line for 2022. So new for 2022, we actually came out with a new way to mount your scope housing to the infinite adjust bracket. No longer do you have to worry about your vertical adjustments uh, intertwining with the second axis adjustments. So as you'll see on the scope housing, uh, there's actually an additional brick. You can either mount that to the inside of the riser or to the outside of the riser. We recommend that for most traditional bows, you mount that to the inside of the riser and for any sort of sight that you're gonna mount in line with the bow to use the outside. Just flip that around um, and mount it to the outside of the riser. So within each of the product categories, we have the Tetra Max, the Tetra, and then the Tetra LT. As always, our Tetra line of sights come in four different scope housing size options, an inch and three eighths, an inch and five eighths, an inch and three quarters, and then also our four pin housing, which is an inch and three quarters. We also offer a 10 thousandths pin and a 19 thousandths pin for both single pin and four pin options. On the Tetra itself, we once again have micro adjustments as well as your macro gain adjustments for left and right. For your vertical adjustments on your Tetra bow sight, you'll want to use the screw right here on the infinite adjust rail and the screw below that. You'll just loosen those and slide it up and down. Another key feature on the 2022 Tetra bow sight is the integrated scope ring that has a built-in level. Another key feature on the 2022 Tetra site is the ability to take a 2500 blue burst light. This is an added on accessory, but you can actually put that on there to add light to your pin or to reduce light. With that, we also have mechanical rheostat, which is an exclusive feature to HHA on the Tetra line. You'll be able to turn in the rheostat if you want to dim the light, and then you'll also be able to turn it out if you want to let more light in. Also on our 2022 Tetra line bow sights, the Tetra comes in either a fixed frame, our Hunter Edition frame, or it comes on a four to eight inch adjustable dovetail. All HHA products are 100% made and sourced in the USA, and they carry a 100% lifetime warranty. For any more questions, please visit our website at www.hjsports.com. Hello, we're at the ATA show at uh, Veteran Innovative Products, uh, an all-American made and manufactured broadhead. So we've got a new one for 2020 called the Combat Veteran 4-Blade. As you can see, 4-Blades got a lot of the same high-quality materials we used with our original 2-Blade Veteran, but the Combat Veteran has a different deployment system. How it deploys is you just squeeze a little bit on your main blades, okay, those compress, and then the broadhead opens. It still has our momentum management compressible blade technology. So the the cutting diameter is inch and a quarter by two inches on this when deployed. Uh, in flight, it's one inch by inch and a quarter. Another feature we added this year with these heads uh, is that you can exchange the bone breaching field point tip with a 125 grain setup if you would like. So swap the tip out, get you 125 grains instead of 100, which is big with those Western hunters. And then it's really simple to lock back in place, roll those blades up, and then it's a click and another click on the other side. It's completely set in, will not prematurely deploy, will not rattle free, solid containment, 100% deployment every time. So we've made a lot of good adjustments and refinements to it to make sure that it's guaranteed to deploy every single time. So that's what's new for VIP this year. 
Welcome back, guys. This podcast is brought to you by RPG Coffee Company, a veteran-owned and operated socially responsible coffee company born to support members of the military, law enforcement, and firefighting communities by donating 50% of their profits. The true secret to living is giving. And don't forget to join the RPG Coffee Club today. Don't wait until you run out. Stay ready to rock by having RPG Coffee delivered straight to your door each month with our coffee club. folks thank you for tuning into another episode of bucks of america podcast i'm your host jeff vance now this is a fun podcast here this i have the guys from released outdoors online to this 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 evening now they have a bigger group but they could only manage to get two of the guys to be able to attend tonight so which is perfectly cool with that so i'm looking forward to this conversation here so i have jeremiah and i have lucas on the line here and these guys are going to talk about about their passion about the outdoors how they all interact because they're not all around from the same area. They all came from different parts of the Midwest. And then it would be fun to listen to where, how the, all their paths intersected and then go from there and uh, talk about what they got going on. What is the mission behind released outdoors and go from there. So Jeremiah, why don't you start us off and like, tell me about your, you and your, your influence getting into hunting. All right. Uh, like I said, I'm Jeremiah Crawford. Uh, originally i'm from western montana uh my dad is one that got me into hunting i've been archery and rifle hunting since i was 11 years old um i mean being from western montana if if i mean if it's got furry pretty much you're out after it it's a lot of different seasons uh i remember one of the first trips i got to go on when i was 11 years old that kind of got me hooked was me and my dad and uh some family friends we all went on an eastern montana antelope hunt and okay from then on, from then on, I had the bug. I mean, I started archery hunting, like I said, after that, and it was, it was just nothing but passion for me. You know, if I was cutting class when I was in high school, would go shoot grouse <laughs> on my lunch break. You know, it didn't matter whatever I could do to be outdoors. That's what I wanted to do. Even if it was something like shooting ground squirrels with a 22, I mean, it's just, it's what I was all about. I love it. There's nothing better than being in the outdoors. Um, Growing up in Western Montana, uh, like I was saying earlier, uh, I ended up playing college baseball. I ended up going to California and then out to Kansas. That's how I ended up here in the Midwest. And it's definitely a culture shock, you're right, coming from big mountains to the Bible Belt of the Midwest, flat, lots of ag fields. And so it was definitely a change. It was something I had to learn and adjust to. Like I'd never hunted out of a tree stand before I came to the Midwest. So that was a huge learning curve for me being here going on six years now. It's something I've really learned to enjoy. Um, yeah, I mean, I mean, yeah, I'm all about the outdoors, whether it's archery, rifle, chasing birds with a shotgun, you name it. If, if I got the chance to do it, I'm going to do it. So growing up, where'd you grow up in, in eastern Montana? Well, I grew up in Western Montana. Western Montana, a, sorry. 
No, you're fine. About an hour west of Missoula, a little town called Plains. And then what was like, what was the, the draw to that town then for everybody? Was it, was it uh, forestry work, ranching? Yeah. Yeah. So we actually moved there from Eastern Washington. My dad was born and raised in uh, Western Montana, but when we moved back, my dad got a job for the, well, kind of the forest service private contractor building logging roads. Uh, so for like Stimson Lumber Company, Plum Creek, my dad ran a big cat and D12 dozer and punched, punched in logging roads. And that's, I mean, that's, so I got to go to work with my dad and sit in a dozer and see some pretty awesome things. You know, a lot of people wouldn't get to see when you're 26 miles behind a gated road that nobody else can get back to or whether it's bull elk just bugling at your bulldozer or your bulldozer or you know wolves grizzly bears i mean it was it was pretty awesome getting to see a lot of the things i got to see growing up no kidding that's a it was pretty exciting I mean, too bad you didn't, you didn't find a sasquatch you know being, being back yeah. up in there yeah that is that is something that no is it uh is, is, is squatch in your area like uh, uh when you're growing up in western montana was that something we ever talked about i know it's kind of random off topic but you know everybody has certain folklore in certain areas yeah so there's a town over from where i'm from and i think they actually have like a sasquatch festival oh, no like kidding. It's, a, it's a small town and i've never been to it but we have that and then flathead lake uh, is right around where i'm from and it's i mean it's one of the most beautiful lakes in the country i think the diameter of the lake is like 28 miles it's absolutely huge okay um but and we have the flathead lake monster like the loch ness monster oh all right yeah because uh what was it uh, i was watching a youtube video on idaho there's a i can't remember the name of the lake but that's where they do a lot of uh military testing with submarines and stuff like on that lake fondere there we go. That's it right there where they do all their unmanned yep. submarine submersibles yep. and stuff like that. So I've heard they had some weird, weird stories out there too, whether it was drummed up by the military or for there was something that is underneath the water that nobody knows about. But I think now most of all the yeah, water's been Lake, explored. So it's tough to say. Yeah. Lake Ponderay's it's crazy deep. I mean, there, I think there's a couple spots where they still haven't, I mean, found the bottom that I know of. I mean, they, it's been quite a while since I've been to Lake Ponderay, but it's, it's an impressive lake too. Nice. So what was your, one of your favorite hunts with your dad out there? Oh man. That's tough. I know there's been a, there's been a couple, like I said, antelope hunting was one of the first ones I really got to go on with my dad. Cause in Montana, if you're 11, but you turn 12 during the general season, you can, you're eligible to hunt that year. Uh, so the year the year before I was 11 I was 10 my dad and our really good family friends all went back east antelope hunting and I had to stay home and then the next year I got to go and it, it's just a blast I mean people don't really appreciate antelope and just how how fast they are and how just an incredible animal they are there um, so I, I we got to go two or three times the second time we went we had five people and this was pretty impressive we had we all had three antelope tags because you're eligible for a buck tag and two does at this time. And then you had your general deer tag and you could buy up to three mule deer doe tags in that unit. Okay. And so we all had six tags and we all tagged out in three days. We had 30 animals killed. We had, jeez, it was incredible. We had a 96 Cummins with uh, like firewood racks and we had animals stacked in the bed of that truck and there was legs sticking out over our, our, our wood racks. It was crazy. 
Man, that would be something to see. Like one of my most my fondest memories was back in 1997 at my dad's house. And he I mean, his guys, they went all party hunted for shotgun in Iowa. Man, they all, no, muzzleloader. They went muzzleloader because this is over Christmas break because it's like I had a choice between going to my mom or my or my uh, dad's. And so I chose my dad because it's hunting season. So I was like, well, I'm going to get I'm gonna the, the best time to get uh, hear some shit talking, but also get to see a bunch of meat and learn some stuff. And man, they, I think they butchered up something like 15 deer over that course that weekend or over that course that week because they, uh, muzzleloader at the time was two weeks long. And so a lot of, that's when a lot of guys took their vacation time. And not only because A, the kids are out, but that's when the, they all work for you. They were all working for um, either a quarry or doing something where that's when they kind of shut down just because yeah. it's like, it's just, it's just easier. And then this way they're able to begin the maintenance on all the machinery and then go from there, work on a skeleton crew and then go from there. But man, isn't that just so, it just, those memories, you never know if you can ever recreate, re, recreate something like that again. Yeah, it's, it's, it's crazy. And a little more about my background. I mean, I, people here are like, oh, man, they shot 30 animals. You know, that seems like a lot. Well, I'm one of eight kids growing up. So that was a huge, um, uh, you know, that was groceries for us, you know. So we, wow, eight we kids? Yeah, I'm one of eight. It's We're a big family, you know, and we definitely, we had two deep freezers and we tried to keep them full as we could, you know, whether, I mean, buying a half a beef or going out and shooting deer, elk, antelope, whatever we could hunt. That's a lot of mouths to feed. I mean, I'm the oldest of four. So it's like, I know what you mean when it comes down to doing that, but just doubling that in itself is just, it's, it's a lot of stress, but boy, I bet your, your mom was never, never not pregnant for a period for about a decade. Yeah. <laughs> Oh man. So that's pretty, pretty impressive then. So then after that, then you went into college. So then, so did you get, um, uh, did you get a scholarship to go out to California or how did it go from, from Montana to uh, California to Kansas? Oh, uh, so I actually played at a college in Montana and it wasn't a very good fit, uh, personnel wise with the coach. Uh, we had some issues and, it was, it was, it was a pretty bad deal for me. It almost made me want to stop playing. And then it actually got to the point where I, he wasn't going to release my scholarship. So I couldn't play at any other division, any other NJCAA school in the country. Cause he wouldn't release me. But California being separate from the NJCAA, I could go play there. No issues. So that's how I ended up going to California. Uh, and California is no scholarship, but it's pretty affordable. So I, I went there and then, uh, I had some buddies that ended up coming to Sterling and played on the World Series team, and that's how I ended up getting out here. Oh, okay, so that makes gives gives the folks listening a a trajectory where you're all at, man. So Lucas, take it away, man. So now you kind of have an idea, Lucas, what we're getting ahead. So share with us about your upbringing, and because you no, know, you're from Kansas, or did you relocate from someplace else? Uh, no, sir. Uh, I am fifth generation uh, Kansan, Central Kansan. I've uh, been here my whole life. Um, I, I actually, it's, it's kind of crazy to think about. I didn't grow up hunting. My dad didn't hunt. My mom didn't hunt. Um, I had some cousins that hunted and some friends and family. And, you know, I was always jealous of those guys. And one day I said, you know, I, I'm going to, I'm going to pursue this a little, and see if I like it or not. And I was very fortunate enough to have uh, a good buddy of mine mentor me. And I, uh, 
vividly can remember the first hunt. It was actually a turkey hunt, and I shot a Jake, and I thought it was the biggest dang turkey in the world, you know? Uh-huh. <laughs> I was so proud, and after that turkey, man, I was just tooth and nail hooked, and I was trying to hunt everything that had legs and was huntable, you know? I, I was hooked bad after that, and it's it's really turned into something that I thoroughly enjoy and can't wait for and I'm, I'm you know usually hunting something year round so it's it's a good deal <laughs> so when did you get into hunting then since you were a late late comer uh, i was let's see that would have been i was in junior high so seventh or eighth grade okay i was 12 or 12 or 13 when i shot my first turkey and i was gosh i think it was 17 when i shot my first uh doe with my bow and that's actually this doe right here but yeah i didn't shoot my first deer until i was 17 i was a three-sport athlete and finally had enough of basketball and decided i was just gonna hunt that year and i ended up shooting some deer and i was even more hooked oh okay so, all right here i thought you were like you didn't get in get into hunting until after high school so at least you got to got the yeah. the the addiction earlier on because it's like it's so much fun when you get it really when you get involved with the outdoors because you you love you you lose money from you lose interest in everything else it's like you just like going after hunting and figure out how to manage your money so you can get a tag to go here or go there so whatever whatever since you since you you had uh now have you been always been a turkey hunter after that point in time is that your tried and true or do you like or do you have one animal that you like to pursue all the time man that's Turkey hunting is probably, turkey and deer are probably my top two. Um, last year was actually the first year I didn't shoot a turkey since that time, since I was 13. And that's, that's due to our bird numbers being so down. I just didn't want to, you know, put too much pressure on my birds. We took Jeremiah out to a spot that we hunt together and he shot his first bird in the Midwest last year. And, you know, that, that was good enough for me. So I, I, Last year was the first year I haven't shot a turkey since I was 13. And, uh, but no, man, turkey and deer are my thing. I, you can ask Jeremiah, I get kind of stupid during deer season. I'm, that's all I want to do. <laughs> nice. That is always a plus, man. I'm, uh, I've been turkey hunting now for six, seven seasons. Still haven't shot a bird yet, but I'm pretty confident that this, this upcoming season, I'm going to probably be able to back or, well, yeah, hopefully when this episode, by the time this air, this episode airs, I've already bagged my turkey. So I'll have to I'll have to play around with that to figure out what, how I want this episode because I wanted to to make sure it falls in line with what we're talking about here. But man, that's like I didn't realize that Kansas has had a has a population issue because you oh. hear, you watch online and it's like all you hear is Kansas this, Kansas that. Yeah, it. it you know, Kansas is that way, and I've got. My my good buddy from Oklahoma was up here uh, last weekend, and we got him on a bird that, you know, he's been coming up for the last three or four years turkey hunting. He even he's like, man, this is crazy. I, you know, I can name this field, this field, this field. We always saw birds in. Like, I, you know, I've got a property that's not too far from one that Jeremiah hunts. It it was nothing to see, you know, 40, 50 birds in there every year, and the most I counted last year was twelve in there, and it just it, you know, a lot of people aren't predator hunting. They're not, you know, they're not managing stuff right. And we've had we had a few bad hatches that flooded real bad the last two springs. It's we've really some really for, really bad storms late in the year. Some bad hail storms, fires, floods. Um, 
a guy not from the Midwest, like I said, I've been out here about six years now, and I'd never turkey hunted before I came to the Midwest. And I, you know, being new to it, can notice a difference from the first year I was here to now. I mean, it's it's crazy. Like, I've only turkey hunted going on three years now, and it's noticeable to me the amount of birds and how it's declined. Really? Okay. Well, I guess yeah. you, you guys had had some very interesting uh, springs and such. I, and then I didn't know that it's like usually from like when I watch YouTube, like predator hunting, is, I thought was pretty popular in Kansas. Well, a lot, you know, and, and, I, and I'm not trying to bag on people or talk bad about people, but around here, there's a, guy, a lot of guys that run um, coyote dogs where they'll drive around, see a coyote, turn their dogs out, and the dogs will run the coyote. Well, they've had a lot of issues with people trespassing and mudding up crop fields and destroying stuff. So a lot of people aren't letting, you know, coyote hunters in. But, you know, I've, I, these last two seasons, I've really hammered coyotes and raccoons and trying to help my turkey and deer out. We shot 58 coyotes last year. Holy bucket, that's so, still a good year. Yeah, I mean, that was our better year for coyotes. And, you know, and I'd like to say I noticed a difference in turkeys, but it, it really comes down to, you know, the last couple of springs we've had haven't been real good. We, we haven't had very good hatches, so. I completely understand. Here in Wisconsin, like this this weekend uh, was, or last Wednesday was opening, 420 was opening day, and birds were all popping up, stuff like that. And then we've been, over the weekend, we had, or throughout the week last week, we had, um, snow in some areas we had a bunch of rain in some areas and then yesterday yeah yesterday was sunday so we had a bunch of wind come through or 50 mile an hour wind gusts all throughout the area there well anywhere between 10 to between 15 to 30 depending where all where you're at i have a buddy of mine, eric down there in southeastern uh, southwestern iowa and he said there were some areas that hit almost 50 mile an hour wind gusts so it's like that shut the heart yeah. down real fast that that that's yeah. been us the last two weeks, for the last man. week we haven't got a break yeah. for wind yeah, because I've noticed that, like, I was going to go out looking yesterday. I was going to go out and um, do some spot checks at a couple fields I'm going to go hunt this upcoming season. But the wind was out there, and, like, even when I was going through where I have I have some guaranteed fields where I live in an area where it has this weird bridge between um, town, country, and town. Well, where that, that, that little small area is at, because you get it's weird because you got La Crosse, Wisconsin, then you have Highway 16. And that, then there's a section there where you see a whole bunch of turkeys, and it's like if they're not out there, that's like they're they're not moving anywhere because these bluffs are really weird and how they manipulate the wind and such. But if they're not out there, like they're always out there like at a clock, you know when they're going to be showing up there. And it's like when I know they weren't out there and the deer weren't out there, is because it's usually it's oddly enough between this little five mile stretch, I'll see close to six dozen deer and probably about two or three dozen turkeys. And today, yesterday was just dead silent, nothing going on. I was like, well, I'm not. I'm gonna save my. Tr- I'm gonna save my uh, gas for a different day because it's so expensive now. Uh, I wish I wish I would take advantage when the gas prices were a little bit cheaper. Yeah, that's no joke. But no, yeah, it. Turkey and deer definitely my thing, man. And, and I've really deer hunting's been the most. I don't know. I want to say pleasurable thing for me because I, I over the years I've really learned the deer, learned how to manage the deer, learned. You know what funnel points they like, where they like to bed, all that other stuff, and that just—I love to learn about that stuff. So if I had to pick one thing, it'd probably be deer hunting. Man, that—that that really is my thing, I guess you'd say. Now, have you had a chance, Lucas, to get out and do some speed goat hunting yet? Because I know this has speed goats. Yeah, no, I actually 
have a buddy that's going, uh, he's moving out to Western Kansas to Oakley and he's going to manage a, a pretty big ranch out there. And I think we're going to go try and chase the speed goats next year, but I, I've never, never tried one. So. All right, then. So now as a resident for you guys out there, we're going out for speed goats down. Is there a lottery OTC? What is it? What is it like out there uh, for, for residents to get attacked? For, for archery, it's over the counter. But they call archery antelope the 10 percenters because usually they sell about 100 tags and usually only, you know, less than 10 guys fill them. Um, so you can buy them over the counter for archery. For muzzleloader and rifle, it's a lottery system. Okay, that makes sense then. I can understand that being for trying to do that with archery because you have to get real, real close and they're very good eyesight, good smell. It's like you almost got to literally set in some water and just kind of pop up like Rambo and hopefully shoot one. Yeah, they're, because there there is absolutely nothing in Western Kansas. It is just vast grasslands. Yeah. That is it. Really? Yeah, because it's like a, you you hear. I see um like Ray Newber, he praises going going through the Midwest and getting after some speed goats. But I didn't know Kansas is doesn't have as uh, po- big a population that uh, that you would think they would have. Is that because of agriculture? No, he. Yeah, I mean, even in eastern Montana, farmers hate antelope. So. If you are antelope hunting, pretty much just knock on doors and you can pretty much get permission anywhere to antelope hunt. I mean, I'll speak for Montana and Kansas. I, I mean, I couldn't tell you about states like New Mexico or Arizona where Randy Newberg hunts a lot because they got a Very lot bigger true. antelope over there. But in, in agriculture states, farmers hate antelope. So just knock on some doors and I'm sure it wouldn't be hard to get permission. That's very true. You know, it's... Uh... With the with the way it is for trying to get permission, like up over here in Wisconsin, like you almost have to have a, a insurance waiver already ready to rock and roll because over here it's, everybody is leased up their lands. It's not because of um, the proper the property value; it's because of the insurance companies, because of how many farmers have gotten bitten because guy comes out comes out hunting gets hurt, and then he tells the insurance company what happened, and then all of a sudden the insurance has a lot there the uh, landowner has a lawyer knocking on his door and hey like hey you need to collect some money we're suing you for the for damages yeah yeah that, that that's the thing we yeah, faced I mean, around here too uh was it like 90 90% of Kansas is private land and yeah, 99% of Kansas is private 99% land. of Kansas is private land and you've got a lot a lot if you don't have deep pockets you're not going to get on a lot of ground um, there's a lot of stuff that's leased up and, uh, you know, we're, we're very fortunate to have some of the landowners that we have. We don't, you know, we don't have to lease a lot of the ground we have, which is nice. And, you know, whether it be family land or just really good friends, I mean, but it, it's getting tough in Kansas. If you want to hunt, you're going to have to have some money. That's the worst part about it. I know, uh, Vanguard, BlackRock, I know, uh, Bill Gates, came through and bought a bunch of land here in 2020 2021 even this year so it's like we're, we're almost reverting back to our parents uh be great britain where it's like in order to hunt you have to be part of a club and you're, you're buying in the club is you have to have eight figures and something like that to do it and it's like we're, we're marching right to it you know this is a, we're getting constantly attacked yeah. by all sides and and it's weird it's strange because like it comes out to iowa's number 50 for the most public land texas is 50 or 49 and it just keeps on going down from there for one, from even like was it? I think Kansas is probably forty-seven or forty-eight uh, on the bottom spectrum of public land to go hunting. Sounds like same with Nebraska too. Yeah, uh, I mean, 
everywhere if you look i mean even like montana i mean there's a big push for like the privatization of hunting um like i think with i don't know if you follow onyx or anything like that with the whole corner crossing the you know court case and everything that's going on right now with those guys in wyoming but there's a ranch in wyoming and uh i can't or not excuse me not wyoming montana i can't remember the name of it but it's a big push for privatization of hunting right so he's going to allow you know access to x amount of acres the guy that owns this for he gets x amount of you know tags for that unit that he can delegate and kind of do what he wants with which it, it's definitely a gray area you know especially in states like kansas i think kansas is managed not very well by the state there could definitely room for improvement um because i know like montana i use it for an example because that's what i know the most about they have you know like your blm program uh where you know the state will go in and pay landowners to allow access and you just go out there and you sign into a box and you have permission to hunt it and i know kansas has the weha or the walk-in hunting program but it, it, it's not enough for the amount of people in kansas right i mean christian would this is a number of christian i wish christian was here for this because it's kansas gun season is like 12 days or something like that it's just under two weeks and i think in through so our archery season opens up uh like mid-september mid-september and you can shoot antlerless all the way into january but your antlered season ends december 31st so from september to the end of december it's like 20 maybe 15 maybe 12 to fifteen thousand deer get killed maybe and then soon as our, our rifle season opens in those 12 days, it's like 60 to 70,000 deer get killed in those 12 days alone. Mm-hmm. I mean, so there, I, I don't know. It's, I definitely feel like there should be changes, especially watching just how bad the turkeys have declined, right? You don't want to see the same thing happen to your deer numbers. Well, um, and I think, I think a lot of that has to do with the way they run their lottery system for deer tags. You know, it's it's uh, 430 bucks just to apply for your tag. And then like another, anyway, the money doesn't matter, but it's like a 97% draw rate. I mean, it's, it's and, if, and if you don't draw, they get, automatically give you a preference point. So, I mean, you know, 97% of people that apply draw. Man, that's insane. Here in Wisconsin, it's over the counter for whether it be archery, uh, crossbow or um rifle rifle season here is nine days and we have um muzzle over season then we have a holiday season so all around i think there's like something like 20 some days where where a firearm can be used for hunting but most of it's all geared towards the archery hunter because of the bluff side and such so we have that going for us so it's kind of but we have our blm program here where we're you can uh, farmers can put the land in there but you, you just like you just know on onyx where you can go and stuff like that, where they, they yeah. did a pretty good job of showing you where you can walk, where areas you can hunt. And then Wisconsin even has a map program on their website where you can shows you where everything's all at. And there's some areas where you've got some good amount of land to, to cover. 
Like I know I have, I have one piece of land that I, I that I hunt is over 80 acres and it's all, but the thing is like you, it's, it's all like this. It's just one big old bowl. Yeah. And so all, but it's like, you just got to figure out what you got to plan it all right. You got to be constantly scouting and such. So, but there's deer out there, man. I saw, I saw a lot of bucks out there this past year, a lot of does and stuff like that. And it doesn't, it doesn't get as, hit as hard as you think it would be during a uh, gun season. But man, I go out there during the, the heat of September, like the 70, 80 degree days. And I'll see bucks moving. I mean, I, I may not be in shoot rains, but I'll, I'll see them. Like I saw, I had an eight point coming from 30 yards, but I had so much brush that there was no way I would be able to stitch an arrow through that. And not without wounding the animal or just having it just like, he goes through, like, there he goes or right in the ground. So it's like, one of those things. I'm not even going to try to do that. It's just, it's just unethical to be able to pull something like that off, man. So then how did you guys all come together? Cause you guys have a lot of crew of six guys, seven guys, six guys, six guys. Okay. Uh, so Christian and myself would be, I guess what you would call like the founders or the two guys that, you know, started this, uh, Christian and myself, I met Christian after I graduated college. Uh, I got a job at an ethanol plant. Christian is local. He ended up getting hired on after I got hired on. And Christian has a big passion for the outdoors, really hardworking guy, likes to chase big deer. He's chased a lot of big deer and he's killed a lot of really good deer. Um, and, you know, he's just like, we both just got to the point, you know, we're like, why, why don't we start something, right? We see all these other guys having success on social media and, doing stuff and we're doing the exact same thing you know like why why don't we give this give this a go and see see what we can do and so we started released outdoors going on about two years ago uh and you know christian knows a couple guys in the midwest me being from western montana and now having some friends in the midwest you know we both knew a, a pretty good group of guys and so we were like you know let's let's put a group together and a group of hard-working guys that likes to get after it chase big deer big elk big antelope you name it and uh you know christian and dane is another one that's here in kansas uh myself and lucas uh and then branson who i grew up with in western montana and then our buddy jake who actually i met in northern california and now he lives in idaho but i mean that that's our group we got guys all over the country and like i said it, it doesn't matter I mean, Jake was a waterfowl guide. He's guided from California all the way up into Canada. Lucas has guided waterfowl. Branson has has guided, you know, his pretty much majority of his life. They, they kill a ton of big mule deer, elk, antelope, you name it, in Montana. Um, Christian has grown up here. He's, you know, he's the last three or four years. He probably should have had multiple 170 to 180 inch deer on the wall. Thing that just the dice didn't fall his way. Um, yeah, I mean, we have a, a really good group of guys that just just like to get after it, you know. I mean, we put our best foot forward. We started a Instagram account our first year just to kind of see if we could have some success. I think we got to like, I can't even remember. We hit like eighteen hundred followers or something in our first year, and we're like, hey, you know, this is this is awesome. You know, we're having some success. You know, now this this year is kind of like our our prove it year for lack of a better term, like, Hey, we're, we're here. We're not going anywhere. You know, we, whether it's shed hunting, you know, spring bear hunting exotics in Texas, you know, whatever it is, if, if we get a chance to go do it, we're going to, we're going to go do it. And I'm going bring everybody along for the ride. What was that Lucas? I'm going on a hog trip next month. I mean, we're always, we're always after something. 
That's awesome. And so what is your guys' main focus with Released Outdoors? You guys are going to be education and entertainment, uh, guiding. Oh. What's because like because uh, Jeremiah, you got mentioned that you've got a lot of guys that have a pedigree in guiding. So I was just kind of curious on what is your forward momentum with this? I mean, we've kind of we've talked a lot, you know, whether it's going to be an apparel line, you know, or if it's going to be more of like the media aspect of it and like a production company where we make the jump from, you know, social media to YouTube and possibly, you know, monetize YouTube channel and then make the jump to a streaming platform like Carbon TV or, or something along those lines. Um, so I, we have a lot of options, you know, we, we have a lot of really good people we work with in the outdoor industry and we've got a lot of really good relationships. So I think we're, we're, we still haven't found that act, our true direction, you know, right now we're doing a lot of different things, getting a lot of growth in a lot of areas. And, uh, I mean, who, I'm not going to say down the road, if, if the opportunity came about that, you know, we, we may or may not be an outfit down the road, who knows, you know, that's that we haven't crossed, we'll cross that bridge when we get there. But right now it's just a group of guys that like to hunt and we're just trying to share everything we can on social media from, photography to filming our hunts to you know like i said putting a, a youtube channel together and you know we've, we've made hats we've done orders we've done stuff like that we're just really trying to grow our brand at the moment we haven't really decided what we're going to hone in on i completely understand that too because like it took me a while to like right where i'm at with bucks of america it, it's taken a while to grow where i'm at right now so it's like you you have that grace period where you don't have to figure out where you want to because when you do decide to release something like a, uh, a program, like doing um, merchandise, like you don't want to start off right away when you don't have the following, but you don't have the loyalty to it. And then all of a sudden now you're stuck with all this product. So like looking at drop shipping is one thing or figuring out ways to work at different opportunities and stuff. Like I was, I was working, I was talking with uh, Brent from um, advancing outdoor technologies out of California. And we were looking at ways to like figure out because well, he's, he's making a, a, uh, a, 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 I don't know. I call. I like to call it a holster for for your for your thumb released. He's got a whole bunch from out there for different types yeah, of. Dude, I've high. seen those. Those are awesome. Yeah. So we were looking at ways like how can we get in touch with some manufacturers. Now I did some deep deep diving. There's a, there's a website called simplyyeti.com, but what it is is it's where you can go in and you, you can you can backtrack on what where the company is getting their stuff manufactured at. Like I looked up like Faradine uh, out, Outdoors. They own uh, Muzzy, uh, True Fire, yep. uh, Raven, all those all those big companies. And I was like, well, most of all of their products come from either China, Vietnam. And so anything they have is all being made by communists. So which just kind of sucks because like, there's nothing here that's actually made in America based in this company here. So it's like, well, how can we? So it's like, well, I'll, I'll, I found the website, dug through it. And I figured like, well, well I can, we want we can reach out, reach out to this particular manufacturing company in in one of the provinces in China, and then we could probably find out what they what they do, what they charge, or because the biggest thing is like we, when you when he's making these these products, he wants to make sure that he's building it for the right audience because the molds are not cheap. He told me that they, if you, yeah. to make a mold for one particular one uh, release, like they have one called the Three Wisemen, but it works with three different types of ones. That costs him twenty grand just to make that one mold. And now if yeah. you try it, there's so many of them out there. So it's like, well, if, you, if there's a place where you can find these stats, where you can find out how many units have been sold, it's this way that you can figure out where you want to go. And he, which that podcast is coming. We talked for three and a half hours. That guy is just a hoot. He's funny. 
he is just absolutely funny, very passionate what he does and how he wants to uh, get his product where it's at. He's like, he's trying to avoid the, the Joe Rogan effect because it's like, if, if he has one, it's like, he's not going to be able to keep up with demand. Cause it's like, I have, I interviewed, yeah. I had a conversation with Shea Butler, which is currently live now on YouTube and, and all the major streaming platforms, but his knife got in the hands of Cam Haynes. Cam Haynes works the bow rack. Cam Haynes told Joe Rogan to get one. And then all of a sudden it's like, he, he was able to quit his daytime job to be able to do this full time. So it's like, it's just one of those yeah. things where it's like, you want to be prepared for that type of, of uh, explosion. Oh, it, it only takes, you know, one, one interaction with one person. Uh, Christian and I this year were fortunate enough to, our, to help our employer start a deer feed. And we were able to go to the ATA show. So we got to go to the ATA network and meet a ton of people. Oh, exciting. Guy just, yeah, it was awesome. ATA was a great experience. Loved it. Loved everything about it. Uh, but there was a guy walking around with a product, not similar to like your the the released uh, magnet holder, mm-hmm. but uh, he was walking around. It it was a stabilizer for your bow, but it was like the you you know like the primos like the quick grips like you hit the button and it, the shooting stick drops out. It was just like that, but it mounted to your bow. So your bow you never had to support your bow. So you put hit the trigger, it dropped down. Your bow is supported by itself. And you could just draw, and it was a, a ground stabilizer for your bow. I mean, it was genius. Guy didn't have a booth; he was just walking around at the show. It was an awesome product. It took all the vibration out of your bow. Took, I mean, it was it was the real deal. And that guy just walking around ended up getting meetings with Bog, Primos, you know, a ton of these big companies that are look because he had it all patented. It was his. You know, oh, smart! Has that technology? Smart. So he was just walking around and getting people to ask about it. I mean, so. That's very cool. That one, that one interaction, that one connection. Yeah, you know, I uh, my one of my come to come to the being part of what well, I being being this media company that I've been able to establish. Like meeting Chris Ham was kind of like the big game changer, and it's like I've been also been able to, to parlay that into me like Joe Rogan a couple of times, uh, Steve Ranella when he was here in town. You know, it's 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 unique on what one interaction can provide you when it opens up that spider web to a whole bunch of new people. Man, I think you guys are really onto something because Christian's pictures, he tags me into, we talk almost weekly, we talk weekly, almost every couple of days. And he's always posting really good pictures. He's got really good social interaction. And I think if you guys really like, continue working and falling down your avenues, your paths, you come up with something really solid. So like, like what is Lucas, what is, what is your big thing you like doing for, for contributing to the group for released outdoors um you know as far as i i'm always willing to you know if i i, I only work four days a week i'm pretty lucky with my job so i can usually hunt three days a week and uh i, I you know as somebody if i don't have the right wind to hunt i'll come film and take pictures for somebody you know i'm 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 all about doing whatever we need to do as a team to move forward so i'm i'm kind of you know, I'm, I'm always trying new stuff. I, uh, I, I am not real whole technology, technologically savvy. So I'm learning the camera, trying to take better pictures, trying to film. I actually got two deer kills on film this last year. So I'm, you know, it's just, it's whatever we need to do for the team, whether it's promote product, um, you know, take pictures or just lend a helping hand on cutting limbs or hanging tree stands. Jeremiah and I do a lot of stuff together. We take a lot of pictures and a lot of tree stand hanging, and because we we're fortunate enough to hunt um, a really good piece of property together, and then our other two farms that we hunt are only a mile away from each other. So 
you know, whatever, whatever we need to do, I'm, I'm the guy, I guess. <laughs> that's awesome, man. And that's, that's great to have a job where you can work four days and off for three. Cause I used to, I had that once upon a time, but then it's like, it just wasn't making ends meet between child support and living expenses. Like, yeah, I had to work, change my, my profession, which has been a big, big win for myself, but man, it's pretty exciting. That's like technology is so much fun, Lucas, that you get to play with. And plus we have a uh, YouTube now. And then it, like, if you want some more of a, an exact source, you can always go on like, like TikTok. TikTok has a great reason. If you oh, yeah. put in a particular, particular um, make model or something like that, you can find people that have actually started doing tutorials on it. And they're only one minute to three minutes long. So it's like you're able to get a lot of more information because that one, that one video has to have so much on there to make it make sense. Like why I, bought, I got an S21 because of TikTok because – what the people were talking about, what it can do with the exposure, the saturation, uh, what you can do with the time lapse, with having the director's view on it, because it has because it has three cameras in the back, but then you it has one facing forward. So this way you you can kind of get a, a cool video, kind of a cool movie, because these phones are so They're powerful. Incredible. That's that's sure. what it's like. Why I upgrade to the next one? Because my S10 did the job. But then it's like this one came out. It's like this is pretty cool. The the software is kind of it's kind of hack. It's kind of um, not really impressed of how, like how it doesn't it bogs down, it gets laggy. Yet I have to restart my phone like twice a day. Otherwise, it just doesn't want to cooperate. But the phone, but the camera, it's pretty solid. Well, and, and make you feel you know, better. The other thing, go ahead, Jeremiah. I was gonna say I'm still rocking the Galaxy S8, and Lucas is rocking the S9. So you're way ahead of us. Yeah. The only reason why I got it, man, is because Verizon was giving me like 800 bucks off. So it's like, I could say no. Cause now my own, yeah. my cost is only $400 for the phone. So it's like, it was just, yeah. it's like, otherwise I had my S 10 for almost going on three years just because the phone worked. It was very well polished. It worked very well. The only thing was, is that, yeah. um, it just, they got, it gave me too good of a deal not to pass up. No, I, I think, you know, your question was what I kind of bring to the table on some stuff. You know, I, I think that's what makes our group so cohesive. You know, we have so many different walks of life from so many different places. Whereas, like, if you go, if you want to know about Montana and hunting in Montana, you go with Jeremiah and Branson. They can show you the ropes there. And, you know, as far as, like, elk and black bear and stuff, I've never done yet. And, you know, we got guys here in the Midwest. I've guided waterfowl. I've guided turkey hunts. You know, I'm, I'm an avid predator hunter, you know. So it's just, it's just all something different that we can do as far as, you know, Jeremiah has a question. Hey, man, I'm getting coyotes checking out at 800 yards. I can't get them to come any closer. You know, we'll try this, you know. And we, we all feed off each other like that. And it, it, it's working out really well for us. So I think we all help each other out very well and bring a lot to the table as an individual for each person. That's good to have, thing to have because it's like with having a, such a diverse group, you're able to each person to have kind of like a specialty, like you said, like you mentioned predator calling. So it's like for and then on top of it too, since you guys have so many people in different states, like grabbing a young child or grabbing somebody that's never been able to hunt, I mean that could be a real real way to build some uh, some some, uh, some integrity inside the the outdoor world because it's like hey. Like for like, let's say I have somebody that I know, like Lucas, I got somebody that's in Kansas that wants to go predator hunting. He's got this. Can you, would he like kind of like work with like, I can, Hey, I can do this weekend, some of that. And just not chart. You can do whatever you guys would negotiate or whatever you guys want to do. But it's like, it'd be a good way to introduce people to the outdoors. I'll take dang near anybody coyote hunting, man. I've got a lot of ground and there's a lot of farmers that will dang near pay you to kill them. So, mm -hmm. and there's, there's way too many here. I mean, it, it's, 
Like I, we shot probably uh, what was it nine coyotes off of one property last year. Wow. Left it alone. It's a big ten. Left that property. Left that property alone for I don't know six months. Came back and shot another six off that property. You know, there's just so many coyotes, and they're they're constantly moving into territory where you kill the pair out of. It's just a, it's a constant deal. And like, you know, as far as youth hunters, um, or hunters in general, like last year, Christian and I got to be a part of. Christian and I kind of guided. I don't know if you want to say guided, but guided Jeremiah on his first ever Midwestern bird. After you know the previous year, he had some pretty unfortunate events and unsuccessful year. It was a kicking the nuts the year prior <laughs> uh we tried it didn't work out and then we got to see him shoot his first bird last year and on i've film. taken a few youth on film and I've, I've taken a few youth hunters out and you know it's like i tell my friends if if i never killed another turkey a day in my life because got to experience that raw emotion of a first bird there's someone that wouldn't you know, have normally have the opportunity to take a bird, like get out in the outdoors. I'd never turkey hunt again. I mean, I just that that gets me more than shooting the turkey, to be honest with you. I bet the thing is about when you're trying to introduce people out there, it's like with how creepy the internet can make people feel or how people oh, yeah. can do it. It's like being able to do that in video and be able to develop that type of um, the communication. It's like just putting it out there. Like if you live in Montana or Kansas, Iowa, like inviting somebody to come out with you, which is a fantastic thing. I have a, I have a friend of mine um, from uh, Ben Klausman from Sodak Horizons there. He's coming out in next month to go shoot at the HHA USA shot. And it's like to help him sell his wife on driving clear across the state five six hours one or five hours one way it's like you, you just crash it at my place because i'm only 40 minutes there i'm going to be guaranteed going to be there for both days because i'm going to be bringing my podcast gear i'm going to be shooting all that fun stuff so it's like i'm excited to have him come on over and it's just going to be a, a, a blast to be able to um to do that it's like i have the room for it now so it's like why not invite people up it's like especially how expensive yeah, gas is take the, advantage of it yeah, exactly. So it's like, well, I'm gonna, I have space for it. I have, I have the bedroom. I have a couple uh, air mattress and a couch. So it's like I have a couple of guys crash out, and like this way, then they don't have to worry about having to pay for a hotel or Airbnb because these places are getting expensive. And the best part is, it's like there's no check-in time. You just show up, and then hey, here you go. Yep. So it helps them be able to manage their time and be a little bit more excited to get out, especially if they got bad weather coming. Yep, absolutely. We kind of piggyback on like what Lucas has just said, you know play college baseball i meet guys from all walks of life you know i've played i played baseball with guys from puerto rico the bronx florida texas canada jet japan you know i played baseball with guys from all walks of life and there's guys who are like jeremiah you know take me hunting and i've been fortunate enough to take three or four really really good friends you know out and get their first deer and I, one story that i'll never forget is uh, a really good friend of mine that i met out here in the midwest he uh he worked at a feedlot. Dude was absolutely one of the hardworking, most hardworking guys you ever meet in your life. This guy worked full time at a feedlot, was a full time student and a college athlete, just burning the candle at both ends. And he was like, "Hey man, I got permission on this piece of ground. Will you take me hunting?" And I'm like, "Yeah, absolutely." And he went out and bought a 270, and we went out and I got excited in that day. And we come out there and we're laying in this corn stubble on our stomach, and this deer comes out, and he's like laying on his stomach and trying to get on him and the deer hurt him in the stubble and the deer ran off and he was just heartbroken you know he's like oh, i'm never gonna get a chance to shoot a deer again 
And as we're walking out, this is basically 300 acres of crop field, wide open. And there's two like 80 acre strips of alfalfa in the middle of it that they'd round baled. And uh, I'm like, dude, there's a really good deer on the other side of that alfalfa bale. And he's like, what? And I'm like, yeah, I'm like, dude, if we can get to 200 yards, you're killing that deer. And he's like, no way. And I'm like, yeah, I'm like, if he gets behind a round bale, run. So he got behind a round bale, me and him just started running across this <laughs> wide open field. And then he'd, he'd get out in the open. And as we're doing this, there's like 14 does off to our left watching us like 300 yards away. And we're just getting behind hay bales and running and running and running. And I'm, we're getting close and the daylight's fading and I'm ranging this deer and I'm like 220, 215. He's like, should I lay down? I'm like, don't lay down. <laughs> just, <laughs> I'm like, get, just kneel down. I said, put your, put the crosshairs right on his shoulder. As soon as he turns, he's like, dude, just tell me when. Just tell me when. He's from uh, Central California. He'd never shot a deer before. Loves the outdoors. And I'm like, okay, dude. I'm like, before you shoot, I'm like, just take a deep breath. And he shoots. And he just hammers this deer. Freaking pushing mud, nose down, running dead. And he's like, I missed. And he jumps up and starts running. And I'm like, dude, you hammered him. And he's like, no way. And he comes running back and jumps. I mean, I'm a big dude. I'm, you know, 6'2", 245 pounds. And he's about the same size. He jumps into my arms, gives me a big hug. You know, he's like, no, dude, did I really get him? And I'm like, oh, dude, you hammered him. And he's like, he couldn't believe it. it is. I'll never forget it. It ended up being like a hundred, almost 150-inch eight-point, just a stud eight-point. First deer ever. I'm like, dude, you're, you're ruined now. Like, <laughs> so that's like, that's like that turkey you shot last year, Jeremiah. We, we, you know, we hunted hard on my place that Jeremiah and I hunt together and couldn't get it together, couldn't get it together. And finally, one morning, I had roosted him the night before, and we set up on him, and they just it's real kind of dreary overcast day, you know, and they just, they came off the roost and they were just hanging out in the timber. So we walked way out and around and got on the other side of them and we're fortunate enough to get a Tom to cross the Creek and come up to us. And now let, let me, let me give you a little story on Jeremiah here. He's a pretty <laughs> stoic guy. He don't okay. show a whole lot of, he doesn't show a whole lot of emotion. And, uh, we're sitting there, sitting there, and this turkey's coming in, and he's he's just getting antsy, man. You can tell he's got his gun up, safety clicks off, and I, you know, this bird works in perfect the decoys. We're I got the good. camera in one hand. We're getting good film, and I was just about to say, "All right, Jeremiah, wait, wait for him to turn, so you don't blow his tail feathers off." And before I can say anything, Jeremiah shoots this bird, and I don't think I've ever seen him move so fast in my life. He come up out of the theaters and hooping and a hollering and screaming. <laughs> it was a good time, man. Just that raw emotion, man. He he was so excited, so happy. We were all excited for him. It was it was a good time. You know, I'll never forget that. I actually we took some really good pictures and I actually went and got uh some canvases blown up with those pictures from me, Christian and Jeremiah. Just you know, it's something we'll never forget. That's awesome. So whatever happened to uh Christian? Why didn't he why wasn't he able to make it on? Like I said, just Christian and I both got earlier. Christian and I both got off work this morning. Oh, uh, that's right. I haven't right. been to bed yet, and Christian is actually out, probably roosting birds right now. Ah. I mean, we, we chased birds all day. I think I got a twenty-minute nap. I've been up since five o'clock yesterday, so I'm going on, you know, twenty-four hours roughly. And Christian's, you know, doing the same. So, but you guys had tonight off. A, 
yeah so me and christian are finally have some days off uh we're off what's, i don't even know what day it is today is uh it's monday, monday. Yeah, yeah. 25th today's monday so yeah we're off tonight and tomorrow and then we go back to work wednesday thursday night and then we're off the weekend and lucas and i are actually gonna get after some birds down there this weekend oh that's gonna be exciting so what do you guys have planned for released outdoors for the future uh i mean we've got a lot uh, some things we did this last year christian and i actually i got to take christian to western montana where i'm from and he got to go up there and meet Branson and we chased black bears around. So he actually got a couple opportunities at black bears. Um, this summer, myself personally, I might go to Texas and try to shoot a free range odd ad. Um, and I, I'm going to try muzzleloader hunting this year for the first time. I've never done it, um, but I'm excited to try it. I'm going to try to shoot a deer in Kansas muzzleloader and maybe uh, Nebraska as well. Um, Jake in Idaho. Uh, Last year, he drew a late-season bull tag. I think he might have drawn another one this year. He's, but he new to him, he's going to try river-bottom whitetail hunting in Idaho. Um, Branson, I mean, last year, Branson is a guy, he's, he's just, he's that guy. You know, everybody everybody knows one of those guys are just studs. And just tell us. that was Branson. Branson, like, the last two or three years, I'm like, dude, there's no way. Like, you had the best year you could ever have as a hunter. And then he just – it just keeps getting better and better and better for him. You know, last year, two years ago, we shot a free-range coos deer in uh, New Mexico with his bow. Uh, shot a, a really good odd ad in Texas. Shot a, a – he was fortunate enough to draw a mountain goat tag in Montana last year. Lifetime wow. tag. He drew one. Killed one shot a really good bull elk with his bow, shot a really good antelope. You know, he's, I mean, he's, he's a stud. He just finds a way to get it done with yeah. very limited time hunting. Me and Lucas, you know, we've talked about going to Missouri and Oklahoma and do some spoonbill fishing, stuff like that. Some bow fishing. Uh, and I can try Western Kansas antelope just cause it's 50 bucks. You know, if I burn 50 bucks on a weekend for the hell of it, you know, why not? Mm -hmm. uh, you know, we've talked about running up to Nebraska next month and trying to shoot some Miriams. I mean, we're, we're just about anything. Uh, it, I mean, like I said, if, it, if it's got fur and four legs, we're probably going to try to get after at least one. Well, and I'm going to, I'm going to try and film some bow fishing hunts and stuff this summer and then all kinds of stuff. Nice, man. I had, uh, Justin Fiskajon, he, he's up, he's been on carbon TV and a couple of different things, but he's out of North Dakota and he'd been up to shoot himself. And I like, was 2016 or 2017, he shot himself a, uh, world record pedal fish, bowfin, bow, bow fishing for the, and stuff like that. And it's like, when you, when you, when you actually get to see them at, see, cause uh, he went on shooting last year, I wanted to go out this year, but the, the snowpack wasn't really what it was supposed to be. And I, then my schedule became so complex. I was, there's no way I'd be able to be able to get out there and come back for HJ USA shoot. And, and also we go see Dr. Jordan Peterson. So I just have so much on my plate. It's like, I, I it's done on purpose of course, but uh, it's just like, I wasn't able yeah. to make it out there. Cause it's, 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 well, shit. I think it's like a 10 hour drive one way for me out there to get out there. But it's like, the, he's the guy, if you want to get out there and he's, he's got some good content. He, he got his son on a bird last weekend. So it's a, he's, he's, he's a, a stud too as well when it comes down to putting things together and making things happen so man you guys sounds like you guys are going to have another fun exciting year well and, and jeremiah and i are doing something new this year we're, we're gonna work our butts off and get some food plots in and 
move a bunch of tree stands around and I think it's the first time we've done food plots on these new properties so it'll be interesting we got some pretty killer genetics on a couple properties and we're going to try and maximize that so oh yeah might as well especially if you have the time to be able to do it because it's like you guys wrap up get your get your get tagged out for turkey season and get out there and get yourself some uh uh, food plots planted and stuff like that and get all taken care of because man food plots are, are a whole animal in itself because there's so oh, many yeah. different companies out there yeah well, and we, go ahead lucas so so i'm a i'm a board member of our marion county quail forever chapter and uh quail forever you know it's a subsidiary of pheasants forever the same thing pretty much and they yes. have their own they have their own food plot seed blends and, you know, as a board member, we get discounts on the food plot seed and they've got some yeah. really good seed blends. So we're going to try those out this year and do some throw and grow stuff too and see which one we like better. So, and, and that's the other thing. We're very fortunate to have the ground we have, but we okay. have one particular property that the landowner, there used to be 53 acres of alfalfa on that property and the deer were just, oh, they were thick in there. Jeremiah, what did we count that one night when we scouted that? The first year was like it was like deer. That alfalfa. Yeah, it was it was ridiculous. I mean, the first year we got to shed hunt that property, and in like three days we picked up like forty eight sheds. Holy off buckets! Off one hundred and twenty acres. Um, but he's so he he's taking that alfalfa out now, and he's putting everything back to native grass and natural forbs and stuff. So we really had to get creative on what we could plant there because we can't you know spray any chemical and stuff because he has beehives. And he wasn't going to let us do anything, but we found a clover alfalfa mix that will benefit his bees as well. So we had to finally, we finally got him convinced to let us do it. So you, it's just, if you get creative and find ways to work with your landowners, you can, you can do pretty, a lot of things. That's pretty cool that you guys are able to make that happen. I was going to mention, like, yeah, uh, the big guy around here is Jeff Helmers. If, you, if, if those who know him, he runs uh, Big Rack Whitetail Academy here out of uh, Holman, Wisconsin. And if you see his, uh, his, uh, trophy room he's got bucks 180 190 200 i mean his daughter uh has shot a b and c every year for like the last eight years <laughs> all yeah it's and they only set maybe a handful of times because he sets on a 40 acre plot of land and he knows how to you know how it works and people fly in all over the country for his seminars he doesn't fly around anymore people come yeah. to him and he's got I mean, a, he's got his own prop uh, uh, product too as well but man you want to pick a guy's brain that's the guy to talk to yeah we're a we're big believers in you know the guys from the release outdoors we're big believers in you know hunt smarter not harder like dane wood for instance one of our guys last year counted one time you know he he let his cameras do the work for him he went out that evening killed a hundred and like a, a low 150s eight point first sit of the year i mean we're, we're big believers in work smarter, not harder. We definitely don't want to overpressure our properties. We don't want to hunt with the wrong wind. You know, we, we try to be smart try, about it. I do everything as what we would consider. Yeah. What, what we would consider the right way. Um, you know, it's not for everybody. And I mean, and there's times of the years where you just got to hunt, but you know, the majority of the year you, you want to hunt smarter, not harder. Oh yeah, exactly. And you and you have private land, you gotta take advantage of it. Who knows? Maybe you guys will put something together and buy some plot of land someplace next. Just buy like an acre next to BLM, so this way you can put a camper on it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
All right, guys, man, you get, we've hit, we've jumped on to a lot of different topics and I'm really excited for you guys to go up there. I want to have you guys back on again, cause this was a lot of fun, but I want to get everybody's brains on there, but every with everybody even on different uh, time zones. Cause you guys have guys all the way out there is in the Pacific and you got mountain and you got in, in, in uh, central standard time. So it's like, it, it'll take some, it'll take some finessing, but we'll make it happen. Yeah, cause absolutely. Just, to, just to pick everybody's brain and see what everybody's doing. It's like, it'd be fun to see what you guys have learned. What you guys are pushing yourself towards? Because I can see you guys having, you guys have, eventually having a podcast too and the cool thing is there's like i can you put you guys in touch or you can talk to me like what i've done to grow and like and how you how you want to visually think about your progression and growth and how many how many mics you want to have it there's a there's there's a lot of fun stuff you can do with it from there especially with zoom and uh, the technology we have today it's just it's you're unstoppable yeah absolutely i mean yeah even if you just wanted to do a waterfowl podcast only dude i mean jake thomas and lucas they're your guys you want to talk about a duck hunting fool, Jake Thomas? If you want to hunt ducks in the Pacific Northwest, he's probably one of the best up there. Yeah, what was uh, what's the guy's name? That, um, I can't remember his name. He's been on Joe Rogan's podcast, but everybody's he's the the chef that has is missing one hand. But he says like out there in the Pacific Northwest is the best place to go after uh, waterfowl, just because of that that um, uh, all the rice fields, all the, all yeah. the different all the different uh, um, what's we're looking for here. Uh, ecosystems all through just going yeah, through from Washington, Oregon, California. Yeah, just beautiful. yeah, biodiversity. There we go, Lucas. He's in the, the winner right there. But man, it's like that would be fun to talk, go, go out there and hunt for those. Oh, Jake, I mean, we can Jake's get you on ducks here in Kansas, yeah. but I, I'm, a, I'm the goose guy, man. I'll get you on geese like you wouldn't believe. That's one thing I want to do. I have a buddy of mine that gave me 125 rounds of uh, seven shot. And it's just sitting in my closet. I have a, I have a Remington 1100. It's like, it's got the 20 inch barrel on it. It's like, I want to go bird hunting, but I don't, I, it's like, that's a whole animal in itself. And it's like, my wife would get upset with me if I try to buy that more, to buy all the decoys oh, and stuff like decoys that. Right? decoys and everything else. Oh man. It's the amount of money some guys spend on decoys. Like you think, you think guys spend well, a lot of money on deer hunting. Waterfowl is a completely different game, and you can't like a, they don't even live on you. You think them birds are just passing through, and you're spending that much money? Well, and like I've got a buddy that's got like a 23 foot enclosed trailer, and he's got like 34 dozen full body goose decoys in there. Wow, you know it, it gets ridiculous. I mean, we we have to get out there, you know, three hours before light just to get all our decoys up. Man, but it it pays dividends, man. Especially when everybody's hitting yeah. the bag limit in the, within a few hours. Yeah, it's it's we've had some pretty crazy hunts, but the flyway where where I live, there's a pretty good flyway, and we get a lot of geese, a lot of Canada's, a lot of snows, a lot of specks. Mm-hmm. But yep. it, it's a uh, and turkeys too, man. I mean, I've got I was supposed to guide in the Kansas governor's one shot hunt, but it kind of got pushed back because of COVID and all that other stuff, and they actually canceled it. So, but I mean turkeys are a whole nother deal i'm pretty fortunate to have some good turkey ground and that one property that jeremiah and i are going to hunt this weekend it's got a real stable bird population and it's actually boomed last year so all right that's awesome guys well i think this is a perfect time to end it here because it's like i'm looking forward to to talking to you guys again and maybe getting more uh figure out a different time of the year to get all your the brain trust together because with with turkey season going on and like and everybody's gonna be the next moment you're gonna be everything prepared for either 
mule deer, speed go, white tail, elk. It's like we gotta find we had like June or July, it seems like a, a good time to spot to, to get together because no real season's mm-hmm. open unless you're pri- yep. predator hunting. Absolutely, or fishing. Yeah, there you go. So how do how what's the best ways to get a hold of you guys on the interweb? Uh we have a for release outdoors, we have a Facebook and an Instagram. Uh, it's released underscore outdoors. Um, I don't know. We can, you know, probably we can send you a picture of our logo. I'm sure you have access to it or something if, if people ask. But if not, you know, like I said, Facebook, Instagram. Uh, we all of our members TikTok. have. Yeah, TikTok. We have two TikToks account, or TikTok accounts, excuse me. I run one. Christian runs the other. Um, so we've got multiple social media accounts. You know, we're just a bunch of blue collar guys you know if anybody has questions don't be afraid to hit us up we take the time to respond we love to talk and meet new people and you know, we're all about networking and i mean if somebody you know even if somebody has a question about wanting to bear hunt western montana don't don't afraid to hit me up i'll definitely give you all the information i can you know and that's the best part of hunting in general and this release outdoors the camaraderie just meeting new people swapping stories you know getting tips and tricks that, that's the best part about this excellent well there you guys have it man go find these guys follow them on instagram and then facebook and such i'm going to put the their information in the show notes so you'll be able to find their information i'll just have to get the tiktok so i can put that in there as well but uh thank you guys for coming on the podcast thanks for having me you guys are very welcome